Do you like the music? The Bumgarners are off to camp. So, uh, sir, we're... Joe and Nancy are up there too, yeah. That's great, that's great. Well, okay. Stanley's going to lead the singing. Come on, Stan. I'm going to get you up here yet. Well, uh, I knew that they were going to be away. So I tried to pick some hymns that we knew. You'll notice that uh, the first one is Amazing Grace, but we're only going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. And then we have Because He Lives, and then the final one is Victory in Jesus. Now, even though we don't have Megan here, we do have Rob. Thank goodness somebody in the gang showed up. <laughs> So, so Rob is going to bring the message, and we're glad to have you back, Rob. Thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. So uh, we don't have too many people here from the search committee, uh, Elaine and Christine and Dave. Uh, everybody else is away. So Tina's away yet, too, isn't she, Joyce? So, Okay. Okay. If I could see you three afterwards, okay, uh, we'll just have a word. And we have some birthdays today, Mel and, and Nancy, who is not here, but Mel's birthday is today. And uh, I know he went out to bring in the ice cream and the cake, so it's all melted. <laughs> yeah, that's the story of our lives. <laughs> so, okay, all right. Well. All right. I think that's all of the announcements that we have to share. Uh, let's go to our joys and concerns. And Christine, we always look to you for uh, updates, and I think you probably have some. Let me put my mask on here, get over there to you. Uh, yes, updates on people who had surgery. I'll start out with on the prayer guide, Sally Bricker-Burton. Her surgery was on Friday. I talked to her. Her surgery went well, and she is home. Good. She came home the same day. She had gallbladder surgery done. Oh, okay. And uh, Jenna Ferguson had her surgery. She, that went very well, and she was at Sloan Kettering for her operation. Uh, she was there a few days after, and she is now at her home. At home. She came home Thursday night, they got home. So July 7th, Jenna will see the doctor and then they'll go over results of test and, and what to do next with her. And we just keep praying for her that there's no cancer involved at all. Um, and I just asked Bill, he just came in a bit ago, that about his niece, Julie Riesinger, and she's doing well, Bill just said. Okay. So that's very good. She had been in a long siege of, she was a very, very ill girl. I remember that. Yeah. And just thankful to hear that she's doing well. And, of course, Rodney Holland, we had given update of, uh, he's waiting for, they're doing testing for stem cell, um, right. what they were going to do, right. when and 
what they can do, you know. That seems to be the next thing on his list, and I don't know if Marion, I didn't ask her this morning yet if he is anything different from that or not. I don't know. Okay. So that would be it. We're, you know, the surgeries are going well, and, and the prayers are really helping these people also. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been praying and praying. We've had them on prayer chain and different things, and, and thank the Lord, you know. And uh, Ronald, uh, you know, Roland Martell, that's Miriam's husband, uh, She's not here today, but Miriam has been coming every Sunday just about, and that's Mel's cousin. Okay. And uh, she had told me last Sunday, she came up to me after church and said, would you put him on the prayer guide that he has to have this surgery? He already has the loss of one leg, and now the new leg, the good leg, he's going to have this vascular surgery, and it's not till July 15th, which we have on here, but yeah, need of prayers very much. She's quite concerned. I didn't ask her into a detail of what caused all this, but she said he already has one leg going, and now we are going to work on the other one. So she was quite concerned. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, she said, I didn't want to say anything during sharing care. She said, I'm, I'm a little intimidated by trying to talk in the microphone, and I didn't want to. I said, that's quite all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's, that's what I have. Okay. Marion, can you see that? I used your right name. I'm getting better. Rod's still out of the hospital, but he has to go back every day for blood tests and whatever. But his ferritin was up to 44,000, but now it's down to 8,000. It should be down around 100. So he uh, goes, I think, Tuesday for some chemo. So he's still going every day for yeah. treatments. And uh, Wanda is still testing for her esophagus. And um, Brandon Farry, I think he had a kidney operation. I didn't hear on him, but I think he had his kidney operated on. I didn't hear what the results were of that yet. So that's it. Any news on Mom, Bill? Good, good. Yeah. Tell her we ask about her. Joyce, how do I get over there? Over here. Last week I asked for prayer for a little four-year-old girl from Elizabethtown that was taken by her daddy. I wouldn't return her home. And her little her name is Harmony and, and uh they said they got a lawyer and they got her back. Okay. But now they're gonna go to court to uh fight for yeah. But she's home. Okay. Thank God. That's great. Anyone else want to share? All right. And uh we should also keep the folks in Florida in our prayers. We had a disaster there with the condominiums collapsing. And I guess on the latest I heard there were still 200 people missing. That's a lot of people to be concerned about. So let's keep them in our prayers also. <clears throat> well, here we go. Our first hymn, ladies and gentlemen. It is Amazing Grace. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. Joyce, let's pray with you.
Heavenly Father, you've heard us verbalize our concerns about individuals who are going through testing and are constantly going through testing. Lord, we pray that their improvements will continue. We pray that things will have a wonderful outcome for them. We know especially that Rod is a a strong believer, and he knows that you're in charge, and that's a blessing. That makes things so much easier when we have individuals who are really relying on you, Jesus. Thank you. And we do have other people that have gone through surgeries. We pray that they will continue to improve and that they will be completely healed from those surgeries. We trust that you, Lord, have given the doctors the guidance, the knowledge to do an expert surgery. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for blessing those people with the gift of healing. You're the great healer. You're the great surgeon. You're the great doctor, Lord. But we know that you pass along some of your knowledge to those individuals, and that is a blessing. Lord, we look forward to having people coming back with us as this pandemic is is waning down. We pray that it will not reappear in in a drastic manner. We miss those that have been absent from us. And we pray that they are well and that they are doing good. And let them know that we are praying for them. We have members of our congregation, Lord, that are away on family trips and vacations. We ask that you provide them with safe passage to and from and that they enjoy their time with their families. It's good to get away and relax, especially when you are out and you can see your wonderful handiwork in nature and all that surround us. We know that you are a loving God. We know that you are a God of detail. We see it everywhere we go. Thank you for that, Lord. And we ask a blessing upon Christians throughout the world, Lord, that are struggling against oppression, against individuals that want to eliminate them because they call you Lord and Savior. Bless them, Lord. Show grace and mercy upon them and protect them. Pull them tightly against your body and shield them from the oppressors. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We give you all the credit for all the good things here in the United States and throughout the world. But, Lord, here in the United States, we have a problem in that we turn our backs upon you. It seems like we hear nothing but people who are against the Christian belief, against, against turning to you. But we know that you are in charge. And we pray that you will show grace and mercy to this country and that they will come back to you. Lord, thank you so much for all that you have done, not only for this congregation, but for Christians throughout the world. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name, our Savior, our coming King, and your Son. Amen. Rob, we're going to turn it over to you. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for bringing your your boss along with you.
<laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Good. Okay. If not, just raise your hand and we'll juice it up a little or I'll speak a little louder, which, whichever is needed. Hey, today's message is, uh, was a tough one for me to put together. I don't know why, but it, uh, it, it was, and I almost changed it, uh, but uh, God said no. I mean, he's the one that pointed me to this, so why should I change it? But I was thinking about it just because it was sort of a tough, a tough word for today, and it's... Uh, but uh, it's a portion of the, great, the greatest sermon ever told. It's uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's part of that. It's towards the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And it's all about protecting ourselves from the imposters in the world. You know, those who pretend to be something they are not. To just get us started here, I would like to take a look at doctors. I'm not picking on them. I just want it's easy illustration to follow. You see, with doctors who play, doctors are need to take a lot of time to go to school. They have a lot of college. They have to go through many, many years of college and residencies, and depending on their discipline. They must even go more years of training to receive their degree. You see, they receive a series of degrees and become that real doctor we visit from time to time. And I should visit more often, but from time to time we visit these real doctors. Then we have the actors who pose as doctors, who play the part and look like professionals too. They use the right medical jargon seem to know what they're talking about and doing, but it is all an act. You see, they are the TV doctors. Doctors who may, you may know from shows like New Amsterdam, Grey's Anatomy, The Good Doctor, Chicago Med, you know them all and there's even more, but they're great entertainment, but no thank you for my medical needs from them. You see, I also remember, and some of you may as well, Alan Alda as Hawkeye Pierce and MASH, the surgeon there, and Robert Young as Marcus Welby, MD. Man, I'm going back a little further. And George Clooney, who played Dr. Ross in the ER. I mean, I'm hitting some older ones here. All these folks are and were fine actors and work hard to portray a doctor on television. But their credentials are fake or they don't have any at all. So there is no way I would want Hawkeye Pierce removing my gallbladder or anything else for that matter. So this is where we're landing today. There are many people out there, male and female, portraying they are preacher, preachers or teachers of God's word, but fall short of his glory. They are great actors convincing actors, however they are ready to fleece you for everything you have, including your soul. So Jesus sends out this warning to all the sheep and the disciples that he was preaching to. We're going to look at Matthew 7, verse 15 through 23 throughout this whole message, but I'm going to be using the, mess the message by Eugene Peterson to, uh, to read through it the first round. So here we go. 
Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity. Chances are they are not out to they are out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say so much. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. Hard words. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached a message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say to them? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. That's a tough word. There are some eye-opening words there for us to sift through. And we're going to do that in the next 20 minutes or so. Like physicians, preachers and teachers go through many years of college and training. However, along the way, things happen that may sway them a bit. Their thoughts and theology may change. We may even get hooked, hooked up with a false prophet who leads us astray without even realizing it right away. You see, a prophet is a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. To get a better perspective on this, false prophets were like wolves in sheep's clothes. You see, the shepherds, as they watched their flocks, wore sheepskin, the skin on the outside and the fleece on the inside. Now, a man could wear a shepherd attire and still not be a shepherd. A false shepherd appeared as the real deal, using deception as his craft. This was the issue with the prophets, too. They acquired a conventional style dress, a cloak with a mantle which they wore would distinguish them from other men. However, like the shepherd's attire, the garb of the prophets could be worn by those who had no right to wear it. False prophets appearing as the real deal. Again, deception. Deception used by Satan. This deception can run rampant through the Old Testament and into the New Testament as well. In Zephaniah 3.3 3 we read, its, lead, its leaders were all, all like roaring lions hunting for their victims. Its judges are like ravenous wolves at evening time who, are, who by dawn have left no trace of their prey. Her prophets are wanton, faithless men. Paul continues to warn us in the New Testament in Acts 20, verse 29 through 30. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. 
Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. These false prophets walk with us now. It hasn't changed a whole lot. The wolves stand on the hillside in sheep's clothes, watching for their prey. Their prey is the gullible, the naive, the uneducated in the word. They're waiting cheerfully to guide the unaware down the well-traveled path to destruction. You see, Jesus is telling us in Matthew 7, verse 15 through 23, to always be aware of your guide. The well-traveled path leads to destruction. And we know the, less, the narrow, less-traveled path leads to glory. Be aware of who is guiding you. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for the character. Who preachers are is the main thing. Not what they say as much. Do they practice what they preach? Should be a good indicator of who they truly are. Keep that in mind. At their best, the prophets were the inspiration of the church, for they abandoned everything to serve God and his church. But prophets were also liable to abuse their position as well. Some used it to gain prestige. Some used it for monetary gain and live a life of prominence. It is what Jesus is warning us about in this passage of Scripture. This seems to have also carried through to today as well. Now, how do we spot, how do we spot this crafty foe? It's tough. It's really tough. In the Christian church, they can look just like you and me. They can wear a suit and tie, look pretty sharp, or blue jeans and flannel shirts. Same with all people. But remember the old saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. Same deal here when it comes to who we seek as our guide and listen to on our journey. False prophets do all the church things, such as read the Bible, pray regularly, mission work, a whole nine yards. That's why it's tough to spot them immediately. But let's look at a few things. Most will not practice what they preach. Check their lifestyle. Listen carefully to their words. Ask questions. Test their word against the word. Their theology may not include the ministry of Jesus, including his death and resurrection. I know it's hard to believe. You may ask, how do I protect myself? 
Good question. Study the word so you're not blindsided. You can't know what truth is if you don't open and study the Bible. If this is you, you're an easy mark for the false prophet. We need to know what's in here. We need to know that. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Surely men do not gather grapes from thorns and figs from thistle. That sounds true enough. But there is more than meets the eye in these words. There was a certain thorn, the buckthorn, which had little black berries, which closely resembled little grapes. And a certain thistle that had a flower, which, at least at a distance, might well have been taken as a fig. See, the point here is there may be superficial resemblance between these things at a distance. But the true and the false prophet are the same thing. From a distance, they may look the same. But the food of a false prophet will not sustain the life of a soul. It'll just bleed it dry. The real teaching, the real test of any teaching is this. Does it strengthen a man or a woman to bear the burdens of life and walk a path where he ought to go? Does it strengthen a man or woman to bear the burdens of life and walk on the path where he ought or she ought to go? You see, the bad fruit of a False prophet is easy to spot if we're looking for it. And it may include self-interest. It's all about them. You know people like that, I'm sure. See, the wolf seeks his prey to fill his sense of greed and what he can get from others. You see, the true prophet cares for his flock. They come first. A false prophet's looking for personal monetary gain. I'm doing it for the money. Certainly you need money to pay the bills and such. But this is not what calls a true prophet into the ministry. God does. To shepherd his sheep. Prestige is another false prophet teaching really not there to help others, but to show off, to show how clever he is and the knowledge he has in order to puff himself up. The true prophet, main goal is to help others on their faith journey with Jesus. And the false prophet is out to practice his agenda and his own version of the truth. The true prophet is out to spread the word of God in its true form. He listens to God before he speaks to man, sharing Jesus and living a life as a sinner, not a saint. The teaching of a false prophet may consist of the following, and they're not necessarily bad things. They're not bad things at all. Here they are. 
but they come out as a checklist of religious duties and obligations, rituals and observances, attending church regularly, fulfilling your financial commitments, reading the Bible, communion, hand and foot washing, all good things. And we all do these things. But because we do these things does not make a man or a woman a Christian. No. It's an attitude of the heart to God. A love for God, a love for our neighbor, and a life in Jesus that makes a person a follower of Christ. Not a checklist. A checklist is just that, a checklist. False, false prophets, there's a lot about false prophets here. False prophets, which uh, their list may consist of a lot of no's on their list. And here this goes. No longer go to the movies. No longer dance. No longer smoke or drink alcohol. No longer use cosmetics. No longer color your hair. No longer use rubber tires on your tractor. You see, by abstaining from all these things and following it as a Christian checklist, it would boil down Christianity's focus to what we can't do instead of what we can do in the kingdom. It would cheapen our faith in him if we could just check things off a list. Sure. We need to make good decisions and we need to seek God's guidance in our decision-making process. Certainly we do. But we don't need a man or a woman with a list telling us he or she thinks we need to live a life like what they see pleasing to God. You know why? The Father already has given us the list. The Father already has told us what we need to do. That is what we need to do. Be obedient to God. Not to a checklist. The teaching is false if it produces an easy religion. If we are led to believe we can sin until our heart desires because God will forgive us because God's grace is with us, we have grossly misinterpreted the word. In believing this false teaching, we eliminate the need for the cross. We downplay the final judgment day and we treat sin lightly. Teaching is false if it removes Christianity from the world around us. We can't hide from the world around us. We can try to isolate ourselves for a while, but the world will creep in. See, Jesus and his disciples were in the world. Jesus prayed for his disciples with these words in John 17, 14 through 15. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Christianity has been put in a closet too long. What is witness worth unless it's witness to those who don't believe and have not heard the name of Jesus? We can't do this if we're hiding. Sure, we may take a few blows to the nose, but hey, Jesus did it for us, so we can do it for him. And finally, teaching is false if it produces a religion which is arrogant and separate. Any religion encouraging a man or woman to withdraw into a narrow sect or to regard the rest of the world as sinners is a false teaching. Make no mistake, we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners. Even the self-righteous who think they're not. They're probably the biggest ones. Christianity is not an exclusive country club, but one to bring all people together under the umbrella of Christ. No one sect, no one denomination, no religion has a monopoly of the grace of God. He is all-inclusive. Christ is not the Christ who divides. He is the Christ who unites. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus reads these words to his disciples. Says these words to his disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He cast them out. So many of them did, in fact, do as the scripture says. But they did it for their own self-glory and personal gain while using the Lord's name under false pretenses. The day of judgment will come. There is only one way a man's sincerity can be proved, and that is by practice. Fine words can never be a substitute for fine deeds. The proof of love in obedience to God. Let me read that again. The proof of love is in obedience to God. That's what it's all about. There's no point in saying that we love a person and pray for a person when, when in actuality we don't. And then doing things to break the person's heart or stab them in the back. You see, God sees our heart and motives. 
just like the prophets. And last but not least is the reminder of the day of judgment which will come for all of us. If you're hiding under the skies of a Christian and not living your life as a true follower of Christ, well, there will come a day when God will strip that facade away and expose the false person behind it. Or, there is an or, he'll celebrate the life of a true person living a life for and with Christ and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, it's up to us. A false prophet may be able to deceive man, but they cannot deceive God who sees the heart within all of us. I'd like to finish today's message with uh, these wise words uh, from William Barclay, whose commentaries I reference quite often. I like the way he puts things. I can understand it. And here's what he says about this topic. Religion is meant to bring men and women together, not drive them apart. Religion is meant to gather men and women into one family, not to split them apart with hostile groups. See, the teaching which declares that the church or any sect as a monopoly of the race of God is false teaching. For Christ is not the Christ who divides. He's the Christ who unites. So beware or be aware of who your guide is through life. Read up, study the word so you can't be deceived. It's all right here in this book, as you know. Take time to read it. Listen to what people tell you and see if it weighs against the words of God. Amen. That's it. Let's have a prayer real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for walking me through that, God. It was just so great to uh, be able to share your word with the folks here today at Conawago. Uh, God, it's, it's a hard word, but it's one we need to uh, be aware of in our life. So God, I bless everyone here with the blessing of Jesus and, and let their lives be uh, just filled with joy. As we go through the rest of the service, God, just bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.